hope we can get it to a level. That sounds pretty loud. How is that in the back? I mean, it's it sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds a lot worse than it really is, which is the good news, but yikes. Okay. Oh, boy. There'll be a lot of that. I apologize. It's just my turn. (laughs) I think whatever this is has been going around. Well, despite that, I am happy to be here this evening. I've been away again for some time. I'm still, those of you who know, I'm still sailing. in Mexico, and um, we've made it as far as a little place called Barra de Navidad, which is south of Puerto Vallarta, and uh, a little bit north of um, Zehuatanejo, which is our next destination. And um, we've been doing this since August. Myself, my husband, and our almost two-year-old son, and um, living a very different life. And then coming back here, uh, mostly for work and to see family and then going back and um, living on the sea in Mexico. And uh, <clears throat> there, there's a lot I could say about it. I shared a little bit last last time I was here. But it, it's certainly um, having an impact on my practice right now and my understanding of practice and also what I'm interested in teaching. So this year, um, this new year, I was doing a lot of reflecting on um, some things that I was struggling with because of the lifestyle we're living right now. And some of that is some loneliness that has arisen. You know, we, we left our I have family here. Actually, my sister's in the audience tonight, which is very sweet. Um, she's the one that looks just like me. <laughs> um, my friends are here. We're, my sangha's here. It's a lot to, to be away from. Um, as a parent, those of you who are parents, you know, it's there's something very valuable about being with other parents and having connection with other moms, if you're a mom. And uh, and so just not having that very strongly in my life right now, although we have made friends in some community, but it's moving all the time because we're moving all the time. So it's not a very stable um, connection that we have with people. And so I've been reflecting on this, and I, I think because of that, picked up a, a book by John uh, O'Donohue, who's a favorite poet of mine, and has written a number of books. And this one is called Eternal, Eternal, Eternal Echoes. And uh, it's a very poetic attempt to explore uh, in depth uh, the, the theme of belonging and longing to belong and the relationship between those two things. (laughs) 
And he comes from it from more of a Judeo-Christian perspective. But I'm finding it uh, speaking to something inside of me. And and, um, so I thought I'd share a little bit of this inquiry with you. And also have time for you to do a little bit of inquiry with each other um, around this this topic. Uh, so, So this belonging... What does this mean to deeply belong? Uh, that's what I want to answer more directly. What does it mean to deeply belong? Not superficially. Um, maybe you could say more spiritually belong. What does it mean as uh, in a lifetime to belong as a human being, as uh, a human being in this life? really, truly belong. So before I say what I think about that, I want to hear what you think about that. And perhaps you haven't thought of this before, but my guess is that all of you have been touched in some way at some time with this longing to be part of something, to feel more connected, uh, to be, maybe the word is more present, to be uh, more in belonging with yourself. Maybe it's more uh, feeling a connection and belonging to the universe. I don't know. But my guess is that we've all been touched in some way by this longing to belong and have a sense of what that means and what that means to us as individuals. So let's explore it a little bit. Um, I'd like to welcome you to get into groups of two or three. Uh, Turn towards someone next to you. Introduce yourself. And then um, what I'd like you to do is each take a little bit of time, and I'll ring a bell, about just uh, a couple of minutes each. So if you're in a group of two, you'll be two minutes each, and then two minutes to just talk to each other. If you're in a group of three, you'll each get two minutes. And I'll ring the bell after two minutes uh, each time so you know it's time to move to the next person. And I'd like you to, to in, your, the best, in your best ability, to try and answer this question. What does it mean to deeply belong? It can mean many things. No right answer. So go ahead and find someone. If you, are, if you don't like these inquiry pieces, you're welcome to sit in silence by yourself and think about that question internally on your own. Raise your hand if you need someone. <clears throat> oh, we're doing an inquiry. Um, why don't you grab a group of two? Why don't you get into uh, Jaime's group of two there? Uh, Why don't you join Jaime? So once you've introduced yourself, someone can begin, and you've got two minutes, uh, that first person, to discuss or to inquire what it means to deeply belong.
So if the first person can wrap up what they're saying and then move on to the next person. If you're in a group of three, you can move to the next person. If you're in a group of two, um, then you can just have a conversation about what you're, you've said so far and just keep going for another two minutes. So go ahead and thank your partner, and we'll come back to the fuller group. And would, <clears throat> would someone be willing to run the, the mic around so we can hear each other? Mike Runner, thank you. There it is. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's hear from some of you. What did you end up saying? What did you end up reflecting on? Great. Uh, I'm Star. Um, so I brought up in my group that I'm a really big fan of Pema Chodron. And I, I don't know if I, I heard some, ah, oh, yeah. Um, but she comes to my email probably two to three times a week with some spiritual insights. And this week on Tuesday um, came one called Training as a Warrior. Mm. And she talked about um, being bogged down by fear. And our, um, she, you know, really challenged me to directly... Um, live my life, like meet life directly, which means take some vulnerability mm -hmm. um, and some openness and not being so um, like where I'm living in fear. And then also which die, die in fear. And that's one of my biggest things is fear. It's been so, um, first of all, emotionally draining to have that just following me everywhere I go. Um, but then it just paralyzes me too. It stops me and hinders just my spiritual progress. And so as I thought about what does belonging mean, I recognize that when I'm not walking in fear and meeting people with fear on being rejected or really hanging on to attachments, that I feel I belong mm -hmm. from the inside out. Beautiful. Yes. So, thank you. Thank you. Hi. Um, well, this is really an emotional uh, topic for me. I, I really struggle. I was just crying the whole time talking to my group because um, most of my life I haven't felt like I belonged. And um, that's really painful. <laughs> I 
And um, part of my coming tonight is, you know, is this, could this be a sangha for me? Uh, I took a, a day-long retreat with Kate um, in December. And um, you were very kind. Um, I am, my main family is my daughter who left for college. And uh, she was back for winter break, and I had some major surgery. And God, I miss her. I miss her more this time than when she left in the fall. Mm-hmm. I'm just so aware. I just feel really, I, I don't feel connected, you know. I mean, I have a couple of tight friends, but um, so yeah, this, this really touched a deep longing and uh, just pain of not belonging. I also, uh, my workplace, I just won a workers' comp settlement, but I was bullied and harassed, so I was happy I won, but that's been painful, you know, that I didn't belong where I worked. At least not with my boss, anyway. And um, and now I'm not working, so that's um, so I don't have a workplace I belong to. So there's just a lot of emptiness in my life right now. So I'm well, glad I'm here. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing. And I think a lot of what you just yeah, isn't that the beautiful thing about sangha is we can speak to each other on this level and hold each other on this level. Because we recognize your suffering in ourselves. It's so painful to feel like we don't belong and to feel the loss and that emptiness you talked about, that type of emptiness. Thank you. Yeah. How many of you resonate with that? Yeah, me too. Hmm. The loneliness and the fear that comes out of that feeling of not belonging is very, um, it goes to something very core in us. It goes to something very core. I think as human beings, we are almost constantly on the search for that belonging because I think that belonging also speaks to a feeling of wholeness, that we lo- that, that wholeness is what we're longing for. And within that wholeness uh, is acceptance, connection with, with each other, but also just with ourself feel a really deep connection with herself. And so oftentimes it's expressed that there's, there's a hole in our life or there's some sense of emptiness that just feels like it needs to be fulfilled, like there's a void. Many of us go searching because of that. We often find ourselves on a spiritual path because everything else seems so unsatisfying and there's something missing. And we distract ourselves pretty well um, because if we stay in the longing to belong, uh, 
it, it is really painful. So we find lots of ways to distract ourselves, but we're not really needing it. We might spend years, maybe almost an entire lifetime, distracting ourselves from having to really be in that. We find all sorts of creative ways, and society supports us in our distractions. But it's never satisfying. And so then we go looking, we go seeking, we become seekers for our belonging. We seek it out in in things that make sense. You know, we <clears throat> maybe we start with things. We seek it out in things and belongings and possessions. You know, accumulating things to help us find an identity that makes us feel more whole, more full in some way. And it might even be a spiritual identity. If I have just the right gear, just the right look, if I go to the right centers, it can be expensive. (laughs) But it's not it. With the capital I, it's not it. So that's unsatisfying. So then we look for it in maybe people. That makes sense. Connection. I have a friend who just recently I was spending time with, and he said, I'm an intimacy junkie. I just want to be fully connected with everyone all the time. Um, Yeah, we long for that. Uh, We can get caught in that. There's nothing wrong with intimacy. There's nothing wrong with feeling connected with people, missing people. Um, depending on people, having sangha. But it doesn't fill that void. It's also not it. It's another way for us to try and define ourselves sometimes. We go looking for acceptance, love. Uh, We want to be appreciated. We want to be understood by other people. And our worth is very much connected, our self-worth is very much connected with all those things. Am I lovable? Do people get me? How many, how many friends do I have? What's my history with my family and my connection with them? Do they get me? So it's really dependent on other people. And so, of course, we end up disappointed I'm not saying not to have good friends or to be loved, but just to be aware if, if we're seeking these things, if it becomes part of our sinking, to feel more whole and to notice if that is making you feel whole. Maybe it does for a moment when things are going well in those relationships. Relationships are like everything else. They change. They're in flux. They're impermanent. So maybe we look and seek uh, for a place. 
place is very important to many of us. Being in the right place, feeling connected to place. Place gives us a sense of who we are. It gives us a sense of our heritage. It gives us a sense of maybe even where we're going. There's something <clears throat> that can feel very stabilizing about having a sense of place. So we put a lot of value in that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not it. It's not it either. Because, of course, that changes too. These places that we hold dear to ourselves and we feel connected, we change. The place changes. This one's for you, Star. <laughs> I have a Pema Chodron quote here. <clears throat> She speaks, she's speaking to this, um, to the longing that then turns into something that's actually quite painful. It's not just the seeking, but the longing for that which is not here. Seeking for something that just isn't actually here in the moment. Or wanting something to stay the same and, and attaching to that that idea that maybe have, maybe it was a real reality at one point, but now is just an idea, a memory, and how we, we grab onto those things, and that that is painful. That's dukkha. She says, when there is pain of any kind, the pain of aggression, grieving, loss, irritation, resentment, jealousy, indigestion, physical pain. If you really look into that, you can find out for yourself that behind the pain, there is always something we are holding on to. There's always something we are attaching to. <clears throat> I say that with such confidence, but you have to find out for yourself whether this is really true. You can read about it. The first thing the Buddha ever taught was the truth about suffering and that it comes from attachment. That's in the book. But when you discover it for yourself, it goes deeper right away. So it's this interesting thing that we do. And this is my reflection for the new year. In, in really seeing my own pain of loss of community and, and feeling at times like, where do I belong in this, in this moment in my life? I don't, you know, and feeling the instability of all those things that gave me belonging, a sense of belonging. People, things, place, gone. Or at least not the same, Right? And how my attachment to what I had and how things were uh, was really creating this longing and this sadness and this dukkha. And so what I've been reflecting on is how there's this almost innate 
longing to belong as human beings. But there's this thread, I think, that is connected with that longing. It's a memory. It's not a memory from our our past or from our mind, really, but more of this primal memory within us that knows better, that knows that we belong already, that there's nothing to go seek out to belong to, but that we're right here in whatever state we are in, whatever we're going to, going through, we belong. That is our birthright as human beings, as part of nature. We forget that we're part of nature. As human beings, we think there's humans and then there's nature. And then there's buildings and streets and stuff like that. We hold ourselves somehow separate. But we are an intricate part of the fabric of nature. We live within the same laws as nature, because we are of nature. And so just within that, we belong so deeply, but we forget. There's a part of us that forgets, but then there's a part of us that really deeply remembers, and that is what keeps us seeking. We have this sense that there's something there, I just don't know what it is. We go looking for it all over the place. The Buddha did too. The Buddha went in search for a long time for that sense of truth. He knew it was there. He went looking for it in some very peculiar ways even. He had some really bizarre practices. And then it wasn't until he just stopped and he sat down under a tree And he gave himself some time to just be with what was here. None of that spiritual materialism. There were no other people there. It was just him. The place didn't even matter. And so we're doing the same thing. We're remembering on this deep level that we really deeply belong but it's hard to, to uh, hang on to that and really understand it because that which we belong to is in constant flux. It's always changing. It's impermanent. That which we deeply belong to is impermanent. It's kind of like we're trying to find that thing that just makes us whole and solid. We have this idea of wholeness as being the solid identity of a solid connection. And that is one of the biggest illusions that we have to see through. It's a magnificent illusion that we're all caught up in. And it's painful because we just don't see it. It's hard to see. But the truth is that what we're actually so deeply connected to and what connects us to each other is constantly changing, it's in constant flux, it's impermanent. And so what makes us really whole is this life, this movement, this dance. We can't just put our finger on it. We can't just put a stake in it and claim it. It'll never be ours. It'll never be our neighbor's. And yet we fully belong to it. 
And so as I'm speaking this, do you have a sense of what I'm talking about? This is one of those things that's really hard because of its nature. I can't just be like, look, (laughs) there it is. It's hard to bring words to. It's not something understood uh, on a real cognitive level. It's something much deeper than that. You know it. You can feel it. There's something familiar about this that seems true. This is what the Buddha realized. And this is where his freedom came from, was actually finally learning how to fully rest in that truth of not having to fight it or be separate from it, not trying to control all that change, not seeing it as a sign of disconnect or a sign of not belonging, but actually sinking down in that which is always changing and really taking claim of, oh, I'm part of this too. I'm not separate from any of it, and none of us are. John O'Donohue, in this book I'm reading, says that true belonging is gracious receptivity. True belonging is gracious receptivity. You can feel that. You can't think that. You can feel that. Gracious receptivity. So this seeking uh, is too much doing. (laughs) It's a lot of doing in our seeking. It's when our seeking can really stop. We don't have to seek. It's right here. It's in this moment. This is it. Gracious receptivity. This is a poem by Donna Falls. She's speaking, I think, to the same thing. She says, there is no controlling life Try controlling a lightning bolt, containing a tornado. Dam a stream, and it will create a new channel. Resist, and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow, and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures, and successes. When loss rips off the door of the heart, or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth in the choice to let go of your knowing of your knowing way of being. The whole world is revealed to you and your new eyes. 
This is receptivity. This allow, this letting go. These are all words we hear all the time in practice. What does that really mean when people say that? Maybe it just means being in touch with that that thread that brings you to the truth of you belonging just as you are. Just as you are right now. It's a beautiful thing about belonging to the nature, to nature and the natural law of things. Because it doesn't mean you need to be anything other than you are, really. But come as you are. And that's it. You're just right. You don't need to morph your personality in some way. When you feel that connection, there's no way you can hurt one another. Because we see that we are so fully connected and intertwined. Our sila or our um, way of being in harmony with each other becomes natural. Our compassion for each other becomes natural. I'm speaking of something that's not just deep, but a really heightened way of being. But also something that's very, very possible and that I think we all get tastes of when we stop fighting the way things are. I'm not talking about becoming a doormat. We're living in a time where sometimes we need to fight, maybe fight a lot. (laughs) We need to speak up for ourselves and for each other. But it's not separate from what I'm talking about. It's what keeps us going, actually is staying connected with this very deep truth. This very deep truth that we belong, each of us, and that no one is excluded. So I think that's all that I can get out (laughs) quite literally physically (laughs) but I think it's a fine place to stop as well I'm actually more curious about your thoughts on this now that I've spoken for a while and um, what this brings up for you if there's any questions or comments of wisdom and we have the mic thank you so much what's your name Mark Mark. Mark. thank you for being our microphone person tonight yeah, Ernie. You can bring him up. <laughs> yeah, I'm realizing that uh, in evolutionary terms, we are hardwired to connect with each other because a million years ago we lived in tribes on the plains of Africa mm-hmm. and we all knew each other and we all got along and or whatever happened. Uh-huh. So just in, I mean, we are social animals. We're, we're hardwired to kind of connect with each other. Yeah. And I'm also thinking that uh, what you're talking about today is really in some ways a first world problem. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many parts of the world where belonging is just understood. The yeah. kids grow up, they get married, and they move into the house for next door, even the same kind of house. 
People live in small villages all over the world, and everybody knows each other, and everybody likes each other, hates each other, but this belonging is just really inherent in the way they live. Yeah. And it's in the Western world, we live very individually. It's understood the kids grow up, and they go to college, and they move 2,000 miles away, and they come home for a weekend once a year, and other people you know, around the rest of the world just wouldn't understand. Hmm. I think there's a lot of people who, if they were here and understood English, would look at you and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. I would challenge it being a first world problem and maybe um, more of a, a white Western problem. Um, I do think there's, there's really, there are cultures that uh, understand this um, much better than I think I'll speak to white America, especially, um, since that's uh, what I know, uh, being a white woman. Uh, we, as a white culture, we seem to be extremely disconnected from this truth. And, um, and even uh, in our seeking, have made, done some major damage trying to appropriate other cultures that do really understand this. We've lost our way so, um, uh, in such a core, core way uh, uh, as a culture. And um, yes, I do think there, there are peoples around the world that not only understand this as a community, but understand it as part of being part of nature and a deep connection to this planet and to the earth and how they walk upon this earth. And, um, uh, yeah, and I think that's what you're speaking to, isn't it? Yes. Yes. If I may, um, mm. I appreciate and I was really struck by the distinction you make between the belonging, which is automatic and it's out there and you just lose touch with it, mm. and the longing and the grasping, which my partner brought up, and mm. a lot of the communities that we're part of and the way that we're, we belong in your family or your work you know, group or whatever it is, uh, but there's an attachment and a clinging to that, or sometimes there's obligations that cloud it, and it's not so much belonging and feeling like you belong, but being kind of tied into it. So yeah. there was some unpacking there. And um, mm. uh, Personally, I'm coming at it from the opposite and being latchkey kid, kind of a loner, out of work for the first time in my life at you know, my mid-50s and, you know, having worked uh, remote for a long time and getting used to just being isolated and, and not part of a group, it's really challenging to get beyond that discomfort zone of being okay, just being in my little cocoon yeah. and reaching out and, and, and uh, rejoining. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're speaking about this... <clears throat> All of these levels are important, and there's different there's different layers of this, isn't there? And uh, our attention is needed in all of these layers. <laughs> uh, it can be a real bypass to go to feel like the work is just at the the depth of the depth, and then miss all this other stuff that keeps us actually quite confused or in fear or detached from from other people and um, all of that is important
Well, in my group, we talked some about the necessity of belonging to yourself. Yes. And so, you know, how does that fit in with uh, belonging to a community? I mean, yeah. is that, you know, a, sub a subset of it or is it, you know, what's the, what's the uh, role of it? Yeah. I'd say that... Um, <clears throat> Well, actually, just so that I, I'm really speaking to what you're asking, can you say a little bit of what you think the answer is? Like what, when you explored that mm -hmm. and you talked about uh, this connection, this belonging to yourself, what did that actually mean to you? Well, that was one of the things we were trying to figure that out, you know, because, I mean, I, I've certainly had problems where I don't feel like I belong with myself. Yeah. Know? And so we were trying to we were trying to figure out what it would mean to belong to yourself. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and and what if you could imagine, you know, those moments where you do really belong to yourself. Where mm -hmm. you or you feel that belonging within yourself. Whole, yeah. Yeah. Do you is it possible, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I think what you're saying is very relatable. So it's helpful. Um, what what is that like? Uh, what's you know, there? What seems, isn't there? It seems far away. I mean, I, I have trouble remembering how it felt right oh, now. Yeah. You know, I, I have felt that way, but right now I really have trouble connecting with that. Yeah, yeah. This is part of the seeking. This is a lot of what I was speaking to. Um, you know, uh, community can actually help us we're in a, uh, if we can find the right, right community that helps us with our own personal growth, um, that's ideal. And so if we have that kind of community and are connecting in community, we can start to learn to be more uh, with ourself. We can learn to have more acceptance for ourselves through the eyes of others or see, you know, uh, maybe from feedback from others that we really trust and are loving. Um, you know, where are the parts that we are just kind of protecting or, or not being honest with ourselves with? And so through community, there can be a lot of um, opportunity to be more connected with, with ourselves. And it's, it's all a part of what I'm speaking to. It's not separate in any way, this connection with yourself and um, recognizing that you are not separate from this larger belonging. But uh, we have to come in contact with that. We have to realize that for ourselves. You know, I can I could talk about that, um, you know, over and over again, but it doesn't mean anything until we really look at that for ourselves. So, it could be through community. It could also be through our own inquiry. Uh, asking ourselves, what would it mean to truly belong inside? You know, what does that mean for me? What gets in the way of that? What are the stories or the beliefs I have about myself and myself in the world that get in the way of that? So we can investigate that. Where are my attachment? Where's where is my clinging? 
that's creating some of these, some of this illusion, the delusion of being separate in some way, separate from myself, and then, of course, separate from others. What is that all about? So we can start to, to navigate towards it. That's really what we have to do, is navigate towards it. Okay, so thank you. Thank you, everyone, for... Oh, oh you okay? Okay. Thank you for passing around the mic. Um, thank you, everyone, for your comments and, uh, and questions. So why don't we close with some metta and dedication of merit. We have a number of people, um, a number of you filled out the, the cards in the back. So we'll dedicate um, this evening to a number of people here, specifically. <clears throat> So when we come together in this way, we are in community. Even if it's just a momentary community. community. You know, every Thursday, it's a different community. <laughs> it's a different mix-up of people. Some people are familiar. Some people are new. But it doesn't matter. We're all here with our intentions to grow and to understand and to practice be together. And there's something about that collective intention in action that makes a big difference, not only in our own lives and our own development and practice, but it has a ripple effect that goes out into the world. It affects the people we care most deeply for, our loved ones. It has an effect on the people we work with, the people we interact with on a daily basis. It ripples out in ways even further than that that we don't even understand. This is a goodness that we're putting out into the world, this type of time that we're taking. And so uh, we can reflect in that way and also have the intention for it to be for the benefit of all beings, not just ourselves. Understanding the greater impact of our practice, not just being for us. So we dedicate this evening to all beings everywhere. All this suffering, it's not separate from ours, is it? And it all belongs. So we hold them all in our hearts and dedicate this evening to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy and have contentment in their lives. May all beings have health in their mind and in their body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be free. May we all be free. Thank you so much for your attention.
you wouldn't mind helping us put the room away with the chairs being stacked and cushions stacked, that would be so helpful. And we hope to see you next Thursday.